how many of y'all remember um, several years ago, they, run, they show reruns now, but there was a, a popular TV show called Cheers. You know, I remember Cheers. That one guy coming to bar Norm, right? And that was one of the most popular uh, uh, TV shows of all time. And the show was centered around folks hanging out of the bar. Now, people don't just hang out at bars just to drink, all right? Because you, you, you can drink at home, is that right? They can drink at home, but people go to bars to drink in an environment of encouragement. In fact, they have a name for it. It's called what? Happy hour. How many of y'all ever been to a happy hour before? Come on, come on, raise your hand. I know you. Happy hour. All right? They have what they call happy hour. And happy hour, guys, is designed not only to give you drinks at maybe a little cheaper price, but also to bring people together and to create a certain environment. That establishment's they figure that if people are not receiving happiness from their jobs or in their homes, it works to provide an environment where people get what they are missing out on, happiness and being encouraged. And so uh, as we step into uh, this uh, week's uh, lesson on preparing for great in relationships, we've talked about a lot of the one another's, right? But today we're going to talk about encouraging one another. Everybody say encouraging one another. How many of y'all... I know most of y'all have heard of the world famous Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, right? Is that correct? Uh, and, you know, cheer, every football team uh, generally has a cheerleader, cheerleaders, right? And the job of the cheerleaders is to tell everyone that we're going to make it, right? Uh, no matter how bad things look on the, on the scoreboard, there's still hope. If the team is losing by 50 points, and they, they, their team scores a touchdown. The chili is going to do what? Cheer. Right? I, they, they're going to cheer loudly. Chili just cheer all the way to the end of the game and will act like their team is winning by a big score even when there's no hope for victory. I think I share with you all the time. It, it, it made an indelible impression on me when my sister Debbie and the group were, they were cheerleaders in middle school. Or they were cheering the junior high. And, 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 and Benton basketball was bad back then. It's getting a little bit better now, but it was bad back then. And uh, I think it was uh, those guys were, were losing about, about 35 points in, in the fourth quarter. And Deb and them over there just cheering, just as faithfully, we're going to lose. Don't say that, because you know it ain't true. That's what they were saying, we're going to lose. Don't say that, because it was true they're going to lose. But the cheerleaders, <laughs> the cheerleaders... We're trying to give the guys encouragement and to give them hope, even though there was no chance, there was a snowball chance in Hades that they were going to win in the fourth quarter down by 35 points with about two minutes to go. We're going to lose. Don't say that, because you know, and they had a rock to it, because you know it ain't true. (laughs) Everybody needs some encouragement from time to time. Am I right about it? We all need to be encouragement. And so many of our churches, I think, are in need of what every football team needs, which is some chili, some encouragers. Amen. When folks come into today's sanctuary with broken lives, they need to run into some chili, some encouragers, somebody who's going to exhort them. Hey, you can make it. I know it looks dim. I know it looks like 
that everything is blown up. It's, 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 you're not going to make it. But listen, you have a hope that's in you. The hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can I get a witness? So look at Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Let's start our reading at verse number 23 right quick. Hebrews chapter 10. Glory to God. Verse number 23. The text says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be what? Trusted to do what? Can we read that out loud? No purpose. That last part says what? For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse number 24 says what? Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Is that right? Verse number 25 says what? And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is what? It's drawing near. The day of his return is drawing near. Encouraging one another. I, 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 I wish that you guys had made it to our midweek service on Wednesday. But if you didn't, you can listen to the podcast online or grab a CD. But on, on Wednesday night, we've been talking about change. And the need for us as believers to embrace change. Because anything that is growing will be changing. Anything that that continues to get better has to change. Are you with me today? And we as believers have to embrace the change process, the transformation process that God wants to take us through. None of us should ever get comfortable being where we are right now. Because God, amen, from the moment that we were saved, has, has, has launched us on a journey of life transformation. And so change, amen, is part of our Christian journey. And one of the things we talked about Wednesday was talking about putting on kindness. Because what we discover in a world that we live in now, that that kindness has went out the window. People are just doggone rude. And many of the people who are rude are believers. I said many of the people who are rude are believers will tell you to come to Jesus then cuss you out on Monday. And so we talk about putting on kindness and, and my challenge to each one of you all and I, and I challenge the Bible to the class is, is do a random act of kindness. Do something for somebody uh, because it's just nice to do it. Can I get a witness? I mean, this, this mentality is that in our politics and, and in our fast food restaurants, when you put up to the drive-thru and you're going to pay your money and that person on the other end of that thing, I have to act like you bothering them by coming there and then when they just give you your stuff in, in, in a room, learn how to be kind. Everybody said put on kindness. Now, so, so we talked about change and in, in, in putting on kindness on Wednesday, but I want to talk about encouragement today because somebody needs to be encouraged. Can I get a witness? We talked about the fact that, that these one another's are very important. And we talked about the wounds, right? Remember, a wound is any unresolved issue where a lack of closure adversely impacts and shapes the direction and dynamics of a person's life right now, today. There are things that happen in your childhood and your upbringing and even your early adulthood that if not dealt with properly will begin to impact how you can relate to people today. 
And so God is saying that, that if I'm going to get you to the point to where you as a church are changing and becoming more relational and becoming uh, more forthright in reaching out to people, you got to deal with the wounds of your past. You got to deal with those things that are lurking beneath the surface and that are causing you to look at people differently and not love them with that agape love we talked about on last week, right? Can I get a witness? So, so, so deal with those wounds, acknowledge them. There may be a father wound, a mother wound, an all alone wound, a heart wound. Deal with those things, okay, so that you can be positioned to be able, amen, to encourage somebody. So we deal with love. We, we talked about loving one another, accepting one another, serving one another, comforting one another, forgiving one another, honoring one another, bearing one another's burdens. And today we're going to talk about encouraging one another. I told you that all things being equal, if we can get the love one another right, the rest should fall in place. Now, we said that love is very core is two things. First of all, love is a matter of choice, right? I said it's a matter of choice, right? I said it's a matter of choice, right? Because you, you listen, it, it, people say, I, I just, I can't, I can't conjure it up. I can't, I can't love that person because they did this to me. Listen, if the Bible commands us to love, then within you, within every fiber of your being is the capacity to show love. Agape love. Now, again, let me back up just for a second. You can't do it on your own. You can't love somebody who did you wrong on your own. You can't love someone who despitefully use you on your own. And that is the problem that most Christians have. We've been trying to, 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 to do God's will, trying to love one another in our own strength. It is the agape love on the inside of us that, that if we allow it, if we'll yield ourselves, we'll begin to take over and begin to show God's love. Then that love is intoxicating. It is attractive. And agape love will draw people to Christ. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to use every last one of us in here to draw others to himself. Can I get a witness? So, second, so first of all, love is a matter of choice. And secondly, love is a matter of conduct. It's a matter of action. It's doing something. Is an action word, not just words from your mouth. Can I get a witness? So, so as we get into this, this, this part of our text, go back to, if you will, to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And we'll, we'll start again at verse 23. I want us to reflect on that just for a second. Glory to God. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. I love that God can be trusted to keep his promise. I don't know if you really understand that and know that, but it says God can be trusted to keep his promise. In other words, when God declares a thing, he and his word are inseparable. God, the Bible says, watches over a man, his word to do what? To perform it. God's going to make sure that if we will take him and his word, his word will produce the result that it promised in the Bible. It may not be in your timing. It may not be in my timing. But God's timing, as I've always told you, it is impeccable. The old folks said he may not come when you want it. But he's always what? Always on time. And I found it to be true in my life that God is certainly an on time God. So he says, let us hold tightly without waving to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, you got to know that if, if, if you don't spend time meditating the word, if you don't spend time, amen, studying scripture, that reality will not be a reality to you. 
Because what that is saying is, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. What that's really saying is that, that, that if you will just have faith, then what God promised in his word will manifest itself in your life. But faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I have no word, I won't believe that latter part of that sentence right there. If I don't spend time meditating in the scripture and allowing that word to get in my mind and, and, and down into my heart, I won't have the faith to step out and know that if I tithe, God's going to take care of me. I won't, I won't have the faith to believe that if, if, I, if I actually go and pray for those who despitefully use me, God will transform my heart. I won't have the mental fortitude to step out and, and do what the word says because I never spent time in the word to allow the word to transform my thinking and as a result transform my heart. Because what does God do? God transforms our behavior by changing the way we think. And he changed the way we think by letting his word begin to regulate in our minds and get down in our hearts. Okay, so so next verse, let's read verse 24 says this. Let us think of ways. Let us think of ways. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. So part of your daily thinking ought to be you, you ought to just this coming week. Think of some ways you can motivate somebody else, another believer, uh, to do some acts of love. And one of, the, one of the best ways I believe to motivate someone to do an act of love is for you to show love yourself. Can I get a witness? See, it, it's, it's, it, if I'm exuding love, there is a tendency for the person who I'm in relationship with, whether it's a work relationship, a, a, a school member, uh, 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 classmate to classmate relationship, church member to church member relationship, husband to wife relationship, father, amen, to child relationship, mother to child relationship. When I show love myself, then that love has a tendency to come back toward me. But even if it doesn't come back toward me, I know what God commanded me. And I know God's will, amen, is for me to do his word. And I can't be responsible for whether or not you do it or not. You know, as your pastor, I thank God for that because if I was responsible for you, for you doing what the word says and what I preach to you, then I think I'd be in trouble. Let me say it again. I thank God that he doesn't hold me accountable for whether or not you do what I, what I preach from the Bible. That's why I can preach it freely. Hello? I, I thank God because if, if, my, if my eternal destiny was predicated on whether or not you did what I preached to you, man, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. Look at verse 25 right quick. Watch this, watch this. And let us not neglect our meeting together. How many times have y'all heard me exhort you to come to midweek Bible study? Sound like a broken worker though. I sound like a bro- 20 plus years in this year. I've been saying, we, Rod puts on an announcement every time. Hey, join us for midweek service. And I exhort you, hey, let's come for systematic study of the word of God because I know that systematic study of the word of God will transform our thinking. Showing up on Sunday morning and getting a little hour message and then you don't even review it or look at it or reflect on it afterwards won't transform your thinking. And if your thinking is not transformed, I know that your actions will not be transformed. 
Hello? So, so let's, let's, let's do the math now. I'm looking around this audience right now, and I'm not looking at anybody in the individual, but I know that this past Wednesday night, it wasn't as many people in here. That's what I do know. We had some over there in real for Christ, but I know that there was not that many people here for systematics of the word of God as we go through and learn how to be kind to one another as we break down the books of the Bible to have proper foundation. And why is that important, Brother Preacher? Well, I'm glad you asked it. It's important because we're living in an age of deception. And you need to know more than just, I got to be kind. Yes, you got to know that, but you got to know what's the doctrinal basis for your kindness. What's the doctrinal basis for you doing what you do? Because there is stuff that is out there that is designed to confuse you and to draw you away from the Christ that you say you love. So, so I'm glad that Listen, I love every last one of you. I, I promise you I do. And as your pastor, until the rapture comes, or until the Lord, it may remove me from this place, I'm going to keep encouraging you to, inde- to, to indulge in a study of God's word so that it can transform your mind and transform your heart and put you in a place where God can use you, amen, as a vessel to advance kingdom principles. That's what I'm going to do as your pastor. Now, you may get a little upset with me by saying it, I, I, I don't think that you just get mad at me too much because you know I'm telling the truth. It's hard to get mad with somebody who's telling you what the word says, isn't it? Well, no, if you're in the flesh, it's not. Because if someone is trying to do something to teach you how to get to a better place in God, then you ought to want to receive that, right? All right, so my point is, I, I, I thank God that I'm not responsible for you. I'm only responsible for me. I am not responsible for my wife. She's responsible for herself. Now, when our kids were minors, guess what? Who's responsible? Mom and dad are. So when your child tells you on a Wednesday night, Mom, I don't want to go to real for Christ. What's mom supposed to do? Well, baby, I tell you what. You know, if, uh, if you don't feel like going, go on and watch TV. No! <laughs> How many of y'all remember it? Come on, I need somebody past 40 to tell me. Did you have an option to go to church? Huh? Did you have an option? You, listen, because somewhere along the line, I'm glad my mom and daddy were praying for me. I'm glad your mom and daddy were praying for you and also training you. Yeah, you were mad. Yeah, you may have went to sleep, but your tail was up in there. And you were catching stuff you didn't even know you were catching. We need some, we need some parents who are willing to train. We need parents who are willing to train our children and not let them, the children rear themselves. Because ultimately you're a responsible parent for not doing what the scripture teaches us to do. All right, keep moving. And let us not neglect our meeting together. That's where I got off point. <laughs> let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage, but encourage, but encourage one another. Now, I, I need to say this because there is a delicate balance. I say delicate. There's a balance in, in, in time spent gathering together to learn and time spent actually applying the stuff you learn. All right. I, I believe, I don't think if anybody's debt level honest, you can honestly say that, that, the, that the, the ministry schedule of this church is, is overwhelming or laborious. I don't think you can really say that. 
I mean, for the most part, you know, you, we have Sundays and Wednesdays. And then if, you, if you're a part of a different auxiliary or whatever, like men's ministry or whatever, or choir, you have some other responsibilities you have to do. We have to meet along the way. But I'm not, listen, this mindset of let's see how much church we can get away without having. That's the mindset that a lot of our, our, our churches have gone to. Let's get in and get out in 45 minutes or less. Uh, otherwise, people are going to get bored. I believe you get bored because, listen, I don't get bored at a movie when a movie is good. Huh? How many of y'all went and saw Harriet Tubman yet? I, I, I haven't saw it. I heard, it, heard it's a pretty dynamic movie. Uh, so, we, we, you know, and, 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 and I, 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 I kind of like suspense and, 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 and spy movies and shoot them up, bang, bang. Anybody else with me? I like a, I like a, I like a real whodunit thriller. Are y'all with me today? And, I, and, and, and so, so when I go to that movie, if I'm interested in the plot, then it captures my attention. If, if, if you're interested in what the word says about you and how you can begin to live a victorious Christian life, then learning how to do that should not be something that you're trying to get away from. It should be something you're trying to run towards. Now, again, I'm not saying you come to church and we stay here five hours. But a, but a two-hour service shouldn't, shouldn't knock you out the box. Let me step down here because some, some of y'all don't believe fat meat greasy. I said a two-hour service shouldn't knock you out the box because our society tells us that you got to go to school, Doris, five days a week, six, seven, eight hours, not eight hours, six hours a day, six, seven hours a day, going to learn, and you're doing that five days a week for roughly nine months out of the year, and you got to do that for 13 years because you start in kindergarten and you got... One through twelve. That's 13 years just to be halfway prepared to go in for life. And how many of y'all will testify to me and tell me that your 18-year-old wasn't ready for life? The one that just graduated from high school is not ready, not really prepared for life. But society says you got to do that just, just, just to get out. And as a matter of fact, society says if you as a parent don't make your child come to school, they'll come get you and in some state put you in jail. Because of your child's truancy. Well, if society says you got to do it just to be prepared for life on a secular level, what makes us think we're going to be prepared to fight a real devil who's trying to kill us and take us out with, one, with 30, 30 minutes of word a week? How are you going to be prepared with no other additional study? You just come to church, have a good time, feel good. And think you're gonna you're gonna be able to, to to fight against the wiles of the devil? Come on now. Our problem is we want stuff easy. And God's treasures, his word requires us to dig like gold. But I'm here to tell you, when you find out his truths, what an awesome way to live. What an awesome experience to be able to trust that God can be taken at his word. So I don't apologize for preaching for 50 minutes. Amen. I need you because I know I'm going to get some of y'all on Wednesday, so I got to hit you right now. You're getting two for one. I'm just messing with don't, don't y'all go away here offended. I'm not talking about anybody individually. But if you're a member of this church and you're not working and you're not sick, then you ought to be at Bible study. 
don't apologize for saying that. And I'll keep saying that. And if you don't come to Bible study, I'm, I guess I am talking to you then. <laughs> come on now. Well, you know, Brother Pastor, my children have homework. Oh, the, well, okay, no, wait a minute. I saw you at the basketball game on Tuesday. They play on Tuesdays and Fridays normally in high school. I saw you at the game on Tuesday. As a matter of fact, how I saw you was you were the loudest person to stand. And you won't lift your hands on Sunday, but on Tuesday, that's my baby. Hit that three. Yes. I'm like, is that, is that, is that Joe? She don't say two words in church. When they say lift up holy hands, she just do this right here. But the game, she was just wild. How many of y'all get crazy when you're watching the football game? How many of y'all be running along with the guy? Go, 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 go. As if you're going to help him get to the end zone. How many, how many of y'all got those kind of folks? It is amazing what our interests in certain things will cause us to do. And what I'm saying is we got to get interested in the things of God. And it not be just a side bar thing that we do just on the weekends. We got to become, the, the word of God has to become a priority now. Like it, it has to have a preeminent place. First place and first authority. God says, I'm a jealous of God and I ain't going to have another God for me. God says, can I put in these terms? God says, I will not be the side chick. Let me put it another way. God is saying, I will not be the midnight booty call. Can I put it that way? Now some of y'all listening, aren't you? God said, no, 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 you ain't going to be calling me. Eleven thirty at night tomorrow. What you doing? What you think I'm doing? God wants relationship. He wants a true relationship with you, and not for you. And, and people are so so vain and, and fickle. They get mad when God don't come through when they ask Him for stuff because they're going through stuff. But you ain't talked to Him all year long, but expect Him to come through for you. You don't have a relationship. Listen, if you don't have a relationship with me, you can't come ask me for $1,000. You may get fired from it. I've given away five. Sometimes I give away 20 with people who I don't know. But you ain't going to come to me and I don't know you and get a 1000 and, 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 and to get a 1000 from you, you got to really know me. Hello? And, I, I, and you can ask this lady right here. One of the things that we, we've learned, we, we're givers. We bless people. But, but, but it, it, that's got to be a relationship. I tell you before, I've had people who call me who I hadn't seen since high school. I've been out of high school, what, Gary? What, 1981. How long is that? <laughs> it ain't that long. It ain't that long. <laughs> Somebody said, long time. I had a guy call me one time. Out of the blue, and was asking for money, and I hadn't seen him since high school. At that time, it was, it was about 28 years or so, 25, 28 years. Now, 
there's no there's no way I'm going to do it because I, I realize for somebody to do that, they must be very desperate. They tapped out all the other resources and now they're going to come to me out of desperation. There's no relationship there. Now, listen, at the same time, let me, let me say this right quick. If the Holy Spirit had a prompt me to do it, I would have. But I didn't get no no unction from the Holy Spirit. And there, but, and there was no relationship there. OK. So, so, guys, listen, watch this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's drawing near. Go with me right quick, if you will, to Matthew, uh, the 24th chapter. The Bible hints that the closer we get to the end of the world, the more difficult it will be for Christians. And, more, and, and the more important it will be that we encourage one another. Matthew 24, verse 9 through 13, right quick. Matthew 24, verse 9 through 13. The text says, then, this is Jesus talking about, what are the signs of the last days? What would the environment be like? What would the culture be like as we get closer to Jesus Christ's return? I think that we don't talk about the return of Christ enough nowadays. Yes, we're to live here, but we have an expected end. We have something to look forward to. Amen. And we got to start, amen, living like we are expecting Jesus Christ to come at any time. Look at what the text says. So Jesus is describing the climate, the culture of society during the last days. He says, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. That's what he says. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Hmm. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. That's happening today, guys. Sin will be what? Rampant everywhere. And the love of many will do what? Grow cold. Grow cold. Watch watch this. Verse 13 says what? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In the last days, persecution will increase since Christians uh, espouse values that the world hates. And, and, and this is happening all across the globe, guys. But you don't see it as much in the U.S., but it's starting to happen even more so in the United States where, where society, government, media, they, don't, they, don't, they, they started, you know, it used to be that Christians and Christianity and pastors and preachers were thought of in, in, in high esteem. But now, if you stand up for what the Bible teaches is right, then people will come against you. You know, uh, I think Drew Brees, who's a, a believer, uh, quarterback, y'all know Drew Brees, quarterback for the Saints, caught some flack from the media uh, because he supported uh, uh, this nonprofit that... that um, uh, that, that espouse Christian values and 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 that in espousing Christian values, one of the tenets of that of that of that nonprofit was they believed in the sanctity of marriage, a, a man and a woman. Now, if you go out now and and say something against that, the media will come out against you as if you are uh, 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 as if you are homophobic or if you are uh, uh, you know a person who's who's, who's non tolerant others. Listen. We're tolerant of everybody. It's just that we're going to call sin, sin. We're going to love you. If you're struggling with that, we're going to embrace you. We're going to help you through that struggle. But the word of God will not be compromised. 
There's other areas where people are catching flat because they stand up for what they believe is right based on what the word of God says. You're going to see that more and more happen now. So much so now that the enemy has gotten the media to the point to where they, where they basically criticize and make Christians look like we're the non-tolerant ones. Any other faith can practice their faith except believers, except Christians. Okay? So we got to get to the point where we realize we're living a day where, where apostasy is, 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 is increasing. And that word apostasy is just a fancy word for, uh, for abandonment of your religious belief. There are people who are leaving the church, especially some of our younger generations, and they're attaching themselves to doctrinal movements that are in contrast to what Jesus taught. This black Hebrew Israelite stuff that's going on, it's an identity-based religion where your blackness makes you good. No, my blackness, I'm just a Christian who happens to be black. My blackness ain't got nothing to do with my faith in God. Are y'all listening to me today? I'm like James Brown. I can say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, but my blackness ain't got nothing to do with my relationship with my God. The Bible says in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free, for we all are one in Christ. Don't you trust in your ethnicity to get you in right standing with God? That just is wrong as somebody who, 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 who espouses white supremacist views. You over there espousing black supremacist views. Both of them are wrong. Let me say it again. Both of them are wrong. I got to say it again. Both of them are wrong. And as a believer, you got to call it out. Some of this foolishness, and, 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 and that's why it's important for you to come to Bible study, so you can have a doctrinal foundation. Don't argue on, on your emotions. What you do is, if somebody really wants to know the truth, hey man, let's break open the word of God. But you can't do that if you don't know any word. Hello? Everybody say, be grounded. Systematic study. Take time to understand the foundational truth of the word of God and don't be just emotional. Stop arguing in the barbershop. Stop fussing in the beauty shop. Stop arguing at, at, at the family reunion, at Thanksgiving, at Christmas. Don't get into an argument with somebody about that stuff. If they really want to know, I tell you what, let's, let's meet for lunch. Let's, let's break open the scripture. Let's just kind of go through the word of God and, and do some studying. Because first of all, when you tell me that you hate somebody and somebody else is inferior to you, I already know you're wrong. Because the God I serve, the God who created the heaven and earth, is a God who's not a respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of faith. But you can't do that if you don't spend any time in the word, okay? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So we, we're living in a, in a last day where false teaching is running rampant, amen. People are gullible and falling, falling out the stuff that, that does not uh, uh, lead us to a, a, a true relationship with Christ. And temptations uh, is, is running rampant and wickedness is all over the place. Second Timothy 3 and 4 says that mankind will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's the climate of the last day. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And you see this, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this, this, this climate is, is, is all over the place. It's in our television programs that are out there. Now, on network television, I remember very vividly back, I, I, I'm not sure what the show was. I think it may, it may have been Hill Street Blues or one of the police shows where the first time they showed 
the backside of a person naked on television, on network television. And that was a big thing back in the day. It was it was Hill Street Blues or NYP. Was it was it, was it M, M, NYP? Yeah, that's, that's it. NYPD Blue. And that, that, that created a ruckus now. But guys, guess what? Turn on the television now, network television, and watch How to Get Away with Murder. What was that show that's, that's off now that the other one see? Scandalous. How many of y'all remember Scandalous? Scandals? How many of y'all remember Scandal? How many of y'all should... Uh, all right, all right, all right. Y'all want to play me now? It's gone off past. I, I don't watch it no more. Okay, all right. I ain't say you're going to hell because you watch Scandal. But, but I didn't see the hands of those who, who watched Scandal when it was on. Come on, raise your hand. All right, we got three people over here who watch Scandal. Some of y'all just, some of y'all just don't want to be truthful, right? All right, but, but, but now, do, can you imagine, do you remember all of the, the sexuality that was pervasive throughout that program? And here's how the writers are so clever, Brother Craig. They, they had you wanting the side chick to boot the wife out of the way and get with the president of the United States and then you sit up feeling good about it. You were sitting there feeling good about it. All right. See, y'all don't, y'all don't like this kind of preaching. Because I'm going to call all of that stuff that's in us out because, see, sometimes we watch stuff Again, I, you, I, you're not going to hell, but I'm just saying that that do you not realize that the enemy will use mediums, media, and that's why it's important for us. I think we need to get some Christians in there to 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 begin to direct movies and TV shows that have some wholesome messages, because our children will will will, will watch that kind of stuff and it begins to get down in their spirit and it, it affects their mindset. And our church has got to begin to deal with stuff up front, on purpose, not sugarcoating it, but being loving. All right, because people deal with stuff, people go through stuff. You don't want people to think that, amen, you can't be a part of us because you you followed and you dealt with some stuff. We're here to help you, and you're here to help us. Amen, we're here to do what? Encourage one another. So let's, let's, keep, let's move on here. So, so that, that's the climate that we're living in. Because we're living in that kind of climate, it's... It's even more so important for us to learn how to encourage one another. Because TV, we, we pretty much have lost it on TV as it relates to those kind of programs uh, when it comes to uh, wholesome Christian-based type things. Okay? So now, so what are the characteristics of an effective encourager? Because we, we're in the last days. We're facing persecution. We, we got rampant sin all around us. We have a, a, a moral climate that is... That is now decadent. We have a moral climate that we're now, even in the church, stuff that was thought to be wrong, people, people are questioning it now. Okay? So how do we get to, how do, how do we encourage one another uh, under love and the good works? How do, we, how do we begin to do that? What are the characteristics of, uh, of, of a, an effective encourager? Number one, that encourager has compassion. Everybody say compassion. Jesus, come on, is the greatest encourager in the world. Would y'all agree? Go with me to Mark chapter number one right quick, verse 40 and 41. Mark chapter one, verse 40 and 41. The first characteristic of an encourager is genuine compassion 
for those who need encouragement. Now, when you fall or when you're going through something, how many of y'all know we need encouragement? And if I come to the church, that will be the one place where I can be encouraged. Not encouraged to stay in my sin, but encouraged that I can get through whatever I'm going through. Amen? Encourage one another. Watch the text here. Let's, let's, I tell you what, let's back up to verse, verse number 40. Go back to verse number 40. Glory. And a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Here's a guy with leprosy. Now watch the next verse. Says, watch this. Move with what? Compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. He says, I am willing. He said, be healed. Watch what happens. Next verse says instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Now, 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 now watch this. Watch this. In Jesus, you said, but pastor, what, 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 what makes us so compassionate here? In Jesus' day, leprosy was a very contagious and deadly disease. And a leper was therefore considered to be unclean, ceremonially unclean, physically unclean. And by law, he had to live outside of the city and call out to anyone who approached him, unclean, unclean. That's what he had to do. Now, can you imagine if there was some disease you had uh, that made you ceremonially unclean, you had to come to us, high blood pressure, high blood pressure. Ooh, she got high blood pressure. We got to get away from her. Arthritis, arthritis, arthritis. With this, with this, with, with this, Kona B. Holland. I love y'all. This is my senior corner, but y'all be hollering. Arthritis, arthritis. You be, yeah. Considered to be unclean. <laughs> STD. <laughs> Syphilis. Chlamydia. <laughs> Herpes. The general provider. If you had to holler out what was considered to be unclean and nobody could touch you, would that mess with your mindset? Listen to me now. Watch this. Watch this. They had to live, they had what they call leper colonies outside the city. And if you approach one of them, they have to holler out, unclean, unclean, loud. That's why what Jesus did in verse 41 is so noteworthy. Look, look go, go back to verse 41 right quick, okay? Move with compassion. Jesus reached out and did what? Touched him. That guy who you meet that's not dressed so appropriately, maybe smell a little different. Are you willing to touch it? Are y'all with me? That, 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 that woman who, who, who maybe all she has to wear is that dress that she wore to the club. 
How do you treat her when she comes to church? Do you look at her like this? Or do you go, hey, thanks. So good to have you here at EBC. We, we, we're so glad you decided to come and join us today. Come on, have a seat right here. You want to come up front? Uh, uh, the, the ushers bring a lap cover. Right? All right? And then during the fellowship period, nobody, nobody moves away from her. We move toward her. Because we want to show people that the love of God on the inside of us makes, lets us know that we're no better than you are. We're, we once was lost, but now we're found. Can I get a witness? We, just because we're saved don't mean we're any better than you are. We just got the grace of God living on the inside of us. My God, I can't stand people who think that, that, that they're better than somebody else. Yeah. This man hadn't been touched by a human, human hand probably in days or probably even years. Jesus knew the man needed something even more than healing. He needed someone to say, you're okay. Even with your disease, you still have meaning. You mean something, man. You, you're still valuable. Yes, you messed up. Yes, you got pregnant out of wedlock. Yes, you, you, know, you, you got fired from the job because you did something, uh, something that was, that was uh, against company policy. But you know what? You still have value. God still loves you. Yes, you got divorced and you didn't have a biblical reason for divorce. But you know what? God will forgive you. He'll, he'll, he don't want you to take it lightly, but he'll forgive you. Hey, listen, it's going to be all right. You're going to heal. And guess what? We're going to walk through this thing with you. We, we're going to cry along with you. We're going to weep with you. We're going we're to mourn with you and we're going to shout with you when, as God continues to heal you and bring you back to a place where you can be whole again. That's what we need to be doing. Everybody say encourage one another. So Jesus, th- this man needed someone to heal his soul. So Jesus reached out and touched, touched him while he was still a leper. And his life would never be the same again. Now that's encouraging. A great encourager is someone who has genuine compassion for those who are weak, sick, timid, stumbling, and can sense that with, with a little boost, those who are downtrodden can turn things around to the glory of God. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 7 with me right quick. And guys, let me say this right quick. Don't just assume that just because somebody has reached what we consider to be the top in this world status or maybe in the corporate status or they got a good job and all that. They don't mean they don't need to be encouraged. Amen. Some people need, need to be it need to be reinforced that 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 what you're doing is worthwhile. But but you, but you your God loves you. Amen. he still loves you. Y'all remember Jesus had to encourage Peter, right? He encouraged Peter when he failed, but he also encouraged him when he succeeded. When Peter was bold enough to declare that Jesus was the Christ, amen, the son of the living God, knows what Jesus said, and I know we're going there right quick. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon, boy, Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. He encouraged him, didn't he? But he also had to encourage him when Peter denied him three times. And when Jesus resurrected from the grave, he, the first person he sought out was who? Simon? Lovest thou me? Feed my sheep. Feed my, feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Why was he doing that? Because he was trying to get Peter back to a place where he needed to be in order to be one of the key leaders of the church. Don't you think for one second that Peter didn't feel down and out because he denied his master. 
But his master came back and said, listen, oh, get up off that floor. Listen, I'm going to use you to feed my sheep. And said, listen, some of y'all out there right now, maybe you've fallen down. Maybe you've messed up along the way. Maybe you have got outside to God's will. But God said, listen, get up off the floor. I'm here for you. I want to encourage you that you can make it. You're going to, you're going to be a vessel that I can use for kingdom advancement purposes. Look at what the text says. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Look at verse eight right quick. We love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news, but our own lives, too. See, an encourager not only just shares priests to you, but they, they do life together with you. And that's something that we all got to get better is doing life together with other believers. Amen. So uh, 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 an effective encourager has compassion. The second thing is an effective encourager is moved to action. There's action involved. See, it's one thing to feel compassion for someone. It's another thing to reach out and actually do something about it. Everybody say action. So many times we, we admire or respect someone or we know someone who needs encouragement, but we let that moment slip by. You know, how many of y'all have ever had this happen? Something told me to call him. Something told me to call her. And then you find out later on that during that moment that something told you to call her, that person was going through something. They were laboring. They were, they, they were in a down moment. But had you called, you would have been that vessel that God used to encourage them. So don't let a moment pass by when something comes to your mind and your spirit and God places something out on your heart. Just pick up the phone and call. You ain't got to talk for five hours. Just say, hey, listen, listen, I'm just thinking about you. I want you to know I'm praying for you, man. And it, you know, if there's anything that I can do to help you on this journey of faith, let me know. And you never know how that one kind word, that one phone call will help that person move along. Are you with me? We'll help that person move along. Okay. All right. So, so a, a person, a, a true encourager is moved to action. They don't just say, well, I, I thought I was going to do it. I, I, you know, I hoped I was going to do it. And I, I, something came to me and told me, no, that person moves. They, 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 they put into action. Amen. Amen. The, when the Holy Spirit moves upon their hearts. And lastly, uh, the person is, has selfless motivation. Everybody say selfless motivation. Say it again, say selfless motivation. All right? So selfless motivation, that means encouragement is meaningful if it's, if it's, obviously, if, if it's obvious you genuinely care for and appreciate that person. Let me say something. Here's some questions that, that uh, I think you need to ask yourself to help you evaluate your motives when it comes to doing uh, the will of God and you're encouraging people or doing whatever, okay? Here's some things you need to ask yourself, okay? Listen, this is not on your outline, but just listen to it real quick, carefully. Here's a series of questions you need to ask yourself. If no one ever knows what I'm doing, whether it's giving, serving, sacrificing, would you still do it? Would you still do it if no one else knew what you were doing? If there was no visible payoff for doing this, would you still do it? Would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? Let me repeat it again. Would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? I got a few yesterday. Some of you are like, well, you know, I, I, I work for this position. I've been leading this man for 10 years. Well, you've been leading for 10 years, but maybe God wants to use somebody else to take it to a level that you can't take it to. 
See, how, here's what I believe. I believe when, whenever the Lord allows me to step off of this stage as pastor of this church, somebody who will come behind me will take EBC farther than what I ever could. That's my belief. That's my hope. Amen. And so you, if you ever sit in a position and you think that I, I'm, I'm going to protect my spot, I'm going to hold my stuff to my breast. I ain't going to teach nobody nothing because I won't, I won't be the one to know everything. Because I want to be the valuable one. You'll never grow that way. And ministry will not grow that way when you're trying to keep everything to yourself and not teaching others how to do it better than you. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so uh, uh, the next question you need to ask yourself the question is, am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? Checking your motivation. Am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? In other words, if, if you're doing something for God, if you're trying to encourage somebody, are you doing it because uh, you want people to say, oh, he was a good guy. Oh, he did an excellent job. Are you doing it? Would you still do it if nobody called your name and said, thank you for doing that? Number five, if I had to suffer for continuing what God has called me to do, would I continue Number six, if others misunderstand or criticize my actions, will I stop doing what God told me to do? If those who I'm serving never, listen to this, if those who I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? I've been giving them a ride to work for the last six months. They won't even offer me gas money. Well, they stay right next door to y'all going to the same plant. You didn't go out of your way one second. Now, listen to me. Hear me careful. In a situation like that, if you're riding with them, you ought to give them something. But if they don't give you something, you ought not complain about it. Y'all stay next door to each other. Y'all going to the same plant. You didn't move one. You didn't go one mile out of the way. As a matter of fact, I would even feel right taking money in that situation. Their car broke down. It's going to get fixed. But the, the, the transmission blew out. Need $3,000. They don't have it. Will you give them a ride to work for the next three months? I, 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 I'm getting a little scared here. I'm looking at y'all. She's a believer. And even, listen, here's where I am. If you needed a ride, if I did go two miles out of the way, I believe God has blessed me with gas money to better go two miles out of the way. And I'll go two miles out of the way. And if you tried to give me something, I'll take it and give it back to you. Now, I understand. I've taught y'all how to receive. But I'm talking about the attitude in your heart. What are you thinking in your heart? And you never said it with your mouth. You never said, give me gas money, but in your mind, you, hmm, hmm. It's week number six. Here's, here's what some of y'all are. You want them to offer it to you, you ain't going to take it, but if they don't offer it to you, you get mad that they didn't offer it to you. I need to get somebody hard today. God has blessed you. Bless others. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do y'all believe that? If those who I'm serving, again, never show gratitude or pay me in any way, will I still do it? And lastly, do I judge my success or failure based upon my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? Let me read that one again. 
Do I judge my success or failure based on my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? See, there are many preachers who, who, who I think get into this trap of comparing themselves to other pastors. They compare the size of their church to the size of this church. They, they, they start getting jealous and talking about this church because they had five members of their congregation leave their church and go over here to this church. Well, I say if the spirit of God led you to go over there, then go. Amen. I mean, no hard feelings. We love you. We, you know, we, when I see you in the mall, I'm still hug you. Man, I, st- I still hug people and talk to people I know talked about me. But, but, but it ain't about me. It's about what kind of attitude and heart do I have? So if this brother's church over here is growing more power to you, if you're getting folks saved and their lives getting transformed, man, build on the building. I don't care. I'm going to pray for you. And I mean that. Can I get a witness? So stop all this talking about they going over yonder. And, and then, then here's, here's what people do when they compare themselves. They'll try to find out what all's wrong with that church. No, I ain't got time to be f- trying to find out what's wrong with that church. I've, I've been assigned to this church to do what God has told me to do here. So you got to have selfless motivation. Lastly, we're going to get out of here on, on the back there. Under selfless motivation, here's some practical tips here. Got to let you go. Be specific. When you're encouraging somebody to be specific, be, you know, encouraging them that, you know, whatever it is that that they're facing, that they can do that specific thing. Amen? Be specific. You're going to encourage, hey, listen, that that was a great Sunday school lesson. When you shared this, about this part here, it, it touched me in this area right here. Be specific. Be occasional because, again, you, know, you have to be, watch out for folks who try to flatter you. Amen. Some folks ain't encouraging. They're, they're using flattery. The Bible warns us to watch out for those who, by smooth talk and flattery, deceive the minds of naive people. That's in Romans, the 16th chapter, verse number 18. When Paul encouraged the Thessalonians, he was determined not to use flattery, he said in First Thessalonians 2 and 5. If you gush over people all the time. That's not encouraging. That's flattery. And flattery may inflate the ego of the naive person. I don't, listen, listen, I don't need you to, listen to me carefully. Hear what I'm saying. I don't, I don't have to have you to come up and tell me, Pastor, that was a good sermon. In order for me to feel good about what God has assigned me to do. Now, I, I receive encouragement and I pray that what I'm saying is resonating with you. And I receive encouraging words. So if, you, if, you, if you want to tell me, that's fine. But what I'm telling you is, is I don't go into my office and sulk because nobody said that was a good sermon. Because if you preach as many times as I do, there's going to be some time where it, it ain't going to resonate. I mean, the Holy Spirit is there, but, but any preacher will tell you, if you preach often enough, because I think God does that to keep us humble. Because you preach a good hot sermon where all the CDs are gone and everybody's talking about it, then you start feeling so good about yourself and your oratorical ability. Then next time you have a bomb, nope, nope, everybody going out, I don't know what pastor we're talking about. <laughs> he need to go back to the drawing board. I think God lets us have some of those kind of sermons, Pastor Tate, to keep us humble. Because man is funny. Man will begin to think that he has the intellect, the wisdom, amen, the oratorical ability to just capture the crowd. Every time I get up here, I depend on the Holy Spirit to give me something to enlighten your life. So don't, 
I get a little leery of somebody all the time coming up, you know. And ladies, be, be a little leery when, when, when guys all the time, yeah, you're beautiful, yeah, you're beautiful, but, but they're telling you every time they see you, girl, you look good. Now, this is every, t- every time at church. Now, if, you know, okay, we've established the fact that she's beautiful. But you, when, when he starts telling you that every Sunday, he's after something else. Can I get one amen over there? God knows we have some beautiful women here, but every Sunday during the fellowship period, you find her. Good, you beautiful. I like that hair. Every time, pretty soon she was talking, where is he at? Right? So watch out for flattery, okay? There's a difference between encouragement and flattery. That's all I'm saying. We ought to be encouragers. Be balanced, okay? Better be balanced. Now I I I, I got to move forward. Be be genuine. Being balanced. What I mean by that is, Paul told Timothy to rebuke and to encourage. So I'll not just be encouraging you all the time and never have to rebuke. If you can't take rebuke and all you want is encouragement, then there's something something missing there. Not only must we encourage, but there are times when we have to rebuke. We have to declare what's wrong, wrong, okay? Be genuine. And, 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 and write it down. Sometimes it's good just to write. Katie, just write. write. N- next time you're in the office and passes away in the bad room, just, just sit down and just write a note. Just pin it. Just, I know you could text it too, but just, just write a handwritten note and say, girl, you know what? This week is so long. I can't wait for you to get back home. <laughs> I don't, whatever, you know. yeah, you, you're a capper. You know what to say. Come on. And you, the Alpha brothers, though, Craig, Al, Craig, you, 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 you st- Alpha, the Alpha brother, Craig, Alia. I know you teaching at school and working at the hospital, girl. You know what? I tell you what, you are the best thing in the world that ever happened to me. You don't birth my children. And 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 I just can't wait for you to get home. You listen, we you know I want you to pack your things this weekend. We're gonna take a little vacation. I want to rock your world this weekend. Oh okay okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The Alpha's got Alpha's got. What I'm saying is sometimes it's good to just write somebody who's been a blessing to you. Write them a note. Just write them a note. Sister Vaughn, thank you for taking the time to go over my budget with me and helping me get my, my plan for being debt-free uh, in place. I thank you. That was two years ago, and now I, want, I just want to tell you that we are debt-free, and I thank you for taking the time to pour into our lives. Man, that means a lot to people. Encourage, write it down. There were times when I was, and I, I got to get back on my, on my game, too, because I would, I would just, I would, I tell Mariri all the time, I mean, I tell her, girl, you look good. I said, girl, you fine. I tell her that. Huh? Don't her. She's telling me, God, God, stop it. (laughs) 
you know, she, when she, and all seriously, when she, when she went through what she went through with the, with the breast cancer, and I told her, I said, um, I said, even with your hair short like that, I said, I like that. She's talking about putting some color. I said, don't put no color in there. Just, it, that, that, looks, that looks glamorous to me. Like a woman of wisdom. She's, she's gained her weight back and things starting to pop a little bit more. Yeah. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> but guys, listen, take the time to encourage people who you're in relationship with. Don't take it for granted. Oh, they know. They know. No, no. People need to hear that. And do it now. When it comes to your mind, don't wait. Because what will happen is you get busy and you forget about what came to your mind. So when it, when it pops up, a word of encouragement, or write a note, send a text message, send an email or whatever, pick up the phone and call, do it at that moment. Because we all need to be encouraged. Every head bowed, everybody close.